So we are working our way through the Bible, so to say. We're working through the different um, acts, if you would. If you imagine a play, a play has different acts. And so that's kind of what we're looking at in the Bible. It has different acts. It has this section that tells this part of the story. The next section tells the next part of the story. Then these section tells another part of the story. And there's a progression through the Bible. Um, one thing that Jesus always talked about um, was the kingdom of God. One thing the apostles always went around preaching about was the kingdom of God. And so I think since we don't live in a kingdom and we're unfamiliar a lot of times with exactly what all the nuances is about the kingdom of God, what does that really mean? Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. Um, we're going we're gonna to stick on that theme and we're going to work through this, the, the Bible and kind of show the different um, progression of the kingdom of God. Last week we talked about um, God establishing the kingdom um, the creation, the universe, he is the king of it all. He established it. That is his kingdom. Um, but then he also made a decision to give rule and authority over to those creatures made in his image, humans. So he made Adam and Eve in his own image, and then he gave over to them the responsibility to rule all of the earth. So in essence, he gave them rule over the kingdom. And made them like kings or, or princes and princesses, if, you, if you'd like to think of it that way. Maybe a more appropriate way to say that. Um, but we see that we see that there was a problem. And that brings us to our next section. The first section was creation. The first act is creation. The next act is the fall. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. So let, before we jump in, let's open up in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. And we thank you for your faithfulness of pursuing us. Father, we thank you that when we rebelled against you, that you did not abandon us or give up on us, but that you made a way yourself for us to be reunited with you, for us to be saved. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We know that you did it because of your love for us. And so, Father, we pour out our hearts in love to you. We ask you that you guide this service and that you would help us to understand your scripture clearly and to, be, to have a good understanding of what it is you're trying to teach us and to apply it to our lives. We love you, Father, and we thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' holy and precious and eternal name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so last week, we, we saw the creation. And this week, we're looking at the fall. See, God had his kingdom. God establishes his kingdom. But there is an enemy kingdom. We had an enemy who also wanted to rule the world, and his name is Satan. Satan has his own kingdom, and it is an enemy kingdom to God's kingdom. He has been waging war since the beginning, and he has been trying to kill as many people as he can. Matthew twelve twenty two through 28 says this, There was a demon-possessed man who was blind and unable to speak, was then a demon-possessed man who was blind and unable to speak was brought to Jesus. He healed him so that the man could both speak and see. All the crowds were astounded and said, Could this be the son of David? Then, when the Pharisees heard this, they said, This man drives out demons only by Beelzebul, the ruler of demons. Knowing their thoughts, he told them, Every kingdom divided against itself is headed for destruction, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? 
And if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons drive them out? For this reason, they will be your judges. If I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So Jesus says right here that Satan has a kingdom. He said, if Satan is divided against himself, then his kingdom, how will his kingdom stand? And so then you have to start thinking about what kind of kingdom does he have? Well, you see, when you think of a king in a kingdom, you also think of other kings and other kingdoms, right? And kings and kingdoms tend to wage war against each other. And that is the picture that I want you to see that is unfolded in the scriptures. That, G, that God, as king of all the universe, then gave rule and authority to man over the whole world. He, gave, he told man, you are to rule the world, the whole world, and to spread out upon it and rule and subdue the whole world. And Satan comes in through the serpent. He comes in and says, no, I want to rule the world. I want to rule the world for me. And so he comes in and tries to get Adam and Eve to rebel against the king. And what happens? Remember we said that God gave Adam and Eve the Garden of Eden? They said, because it's this idea that, okay, God told Adam and Eve, you are to rule the whole earth, but obviously how can two people really rule the whole earth and manage the whole earth? That's why he said you are to be fruitful and multiply and spread out over it. But since you're just two people for right now, I'm going to give you a manageable territory to rule, and that would be the Garden of Eden. So it gives them a manageable area, location that they can rule and manage and take care of, and that's the garden. And so Satan comes in. He wants to rule the whole world. He gets them to rebel against God. And what happens? They get cast out of the garden. In other words, they get cast out of the kingdom that they were given rule and authority over. That's exactly what Satan wanted the whole time. <clears throat> Satan is referred to in John as the ruler of this world. John 12, 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out, referring to Satan. So Satan is referred to in the scriptures multiple times as the ruler of this world. Again, John 14, 30. I will not talk with you much longer because the ruler of the world is coming. He has no power over me, Jesus says. And then again, John 16, 11, and about the judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. So Satan is referred to as a ruler of this world. But how did he become the ruler of this world? If that's what Jesus calls him, the ruler of this world, how did he get that way? We mentioned it. That's where it started in the garden. He waged war against Adam and Eve when they were the only two. And then who came along? Cain and Abel. And then what did Satan do? Did he just say, okay, I'm one, I'm out? No. He waged war with them too. And he got Cain to kill Abel. He murdered the righteous one and he got a hold of the heart of the unrighteous one. And so his goal from the very beginning has always been to rule this whole world and all the people in it and to take grab and hold of and use the people who are willing to do what he wants and to murder and kill and destroy the ones who resist. He became the ruler of this world by waging war and by winning ground. He has been fighting against us. And instead of fighting back against him, 
we have been fighting each other. That's been his tactic. Jesus said he saw Satan cast out of heaven. Luke 10, 17 through 20. The 72 returned with joy. Jesus had sent out the 72 in pairs of two to go out and preach the message, to share the gospel, to talk about the coming of the kingdom of God, to preach that the kingdom is near and to heal people and to cast out evil spirits. So they came back saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They were amazed. They, they cast out demons and they were amazed. They were saying, these evil spirits submit to us in your name. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Jesus saw Satan fall and be cast out of heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing at all will harm you. So what did he do? He gave his disciples authority over all the power of Satan. And that's important to keep in mind as we go through. However, he said, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Revelation gives us a very detailed description of Satan and his angels being cast to earth. Revelation 12, 7 through 12 says this. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels also fought, but he could not prevail and there was no place for them in heaven any longer. So picture the scenario. Michael and the holy angels are fighting against the dragon. So the great dragon was thrown out, the ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan. So if there's no confusion about who this is, Satan was cast out, the one who deceives the whole world. He was thrown to earth and his angels with him. And so that is where we get the concept of who are evil spirits, who are demons, because Satan is one person, but we know that there are many demons. Who are they? They are his angels. They are the angels who waged war against God and Michael and the other the holy angels. And so what you have is a picture where God gave humanity a choice. He gave human beings, Adam and Eve, us, he gave us a choice to choose to serve God and love him or to choose to rebel against him and sin. He gave us all, it's called free will. And you say, well, what about the angels? Well, we see God gave them the same thing. God allowed a war to take place and he allowed angels to choose their side. Are they for me or are you against me? You can almost imagine it. It's not, it's not spelled out in the scripture, but you can almost picture it. Where God is in heaven and the angels are in heaven and Satan is choosing to lead a rebellion because he wants authority, he wants to rule the world, he wants to be God. And so God makes the angels choose. Choose a side. Are you for me or are you against me? And when they choose sides, um, it says, I'm not sure if it's in this passage or not, uh, but it said, uh, if it's not this one, it's another one. In another passage, it says that the, the dragon was cast out and that a third of the stars fell with him. 
And here we have a very clear description that his angels were cast out with him. So what we see is a third of the angels chose to side with Satan and rebel against God. God gave them their freedom of choice. And then once everybody had made their decision, Jesus said, I saw Satan cast out of heaven like a bolt of lightning. How easy is that? How quick is that? So in other words, there wasn't a war because God was struggling and it wasn't strong enough. God let the war go on because he wanted to see, let everyone have an opportunity to choose a side. Once everybody chose their side, God cast them out like that, just like that, like a bolt of lightning, gone. And they were cast out. But he didn't destroy them. And so they are still waging war. They are still waging war today against God and his kingdom on earth. And that is who Satan and demons are. They are angels who rebelled against God and were thrown out, who wants their own kingdom, who wants to rule the world, and who wants to take out and kill everybody that they can in the process. He said, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have now come, because the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been thrown down. They conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they did not love their lives to the point of death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you with great fury, because he knows his time is short. And that, that's what I want you to get. He is waging war as furiously as he can, because he knows his time is short. So we see he's a ruler, and his rule is over things and people and angels in this world that are at war with God and his kingdom. So you have two opposing kingdoms. He is furious, and he is trying to take as many people down with him as he can, including you and me. Therefore, Peter warned us. Peter said, be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. But, but, we know that Satan has been defeated on the cross. The gospel has the power to strip people away from his tyranny over them. And, and I got that straight from the scripture it says, Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the tyranny of the devil, because God was with him. And so Satan, who wants to rule this world, who wants to fight against the kingdom of God, who wants his own kingdom, who wants to fill it up with angels and people and overthrow God, it's impossible, but that's all he wants. He knows his time is short, and so he's fighting as hard and as furiously as he can. He has people under his tyranny. Jesus shows up on the scene. He tries to tempt Jesus in the same way he tried to tempt Adam. He tried to get Jesus to rebel against God the King. He asked him to worship him. Jesus refused. Jesus stood up to his temptation. And so what did Satan do? Well, I can't control you. You're not on my side. So what does Satan try to do then? 
well, then I'm going to kill you. So he does. And he has Jesus killed on the cross. And it all backfired. Because what he didn't know and what that God and Jesus did was that through killing him was the only way to overthrow him for good forever. It was the only way to pay a sacrifice so that people could be forgiven of their sins and so that the Satan, who was called the accuser, the accuser, no longer has his one weapon that he did have, which was to accuse us. That was what Satan had to begin with, to accuse Adam and Eve. He convinced Adam and Eve to rebel against God, but he knew God was just, and he knew they had to be punished, and he knew the punishment of sin was death. And so, therefore, his weapon was to accuse them. God, you can't let them off the hook because they rebelled against you. And they're looking and saying, you're the one that convinced me to do it. He said, I don't care. God, you can't let them live because they sinned against you. He is known as the accuser because he thought that was how he was going to win. And through killing Jesus, he lost the very thing he had that he thought was going to help him send everyone to hell. He no longer has the ability to accuse us because Jesus took our sins and stood in our place. He was stripped of his power. And that's why he's so furious. But let's keep going. I know this seems like a very hard and dark message, but hold on. The light is coming. (laughs) When Saul was headed to Damascus and Jesus revealed himself to Saul, we read this. I asked, who are you, Lord? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. But get up. Stand on your feet, for I have, appeared, I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen and what you and will see of me. I will rescue you from your people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a share among those who are sanctified by faith in me. See, we are under Satan's power. We're under his deception. We're a part of his kingdom. We're in a kingdom that is opposed to God until we come to faith in Christ, are saved by his blood, receive the Holy Spirit, and then God says, then our eyes are opened so that we may turn from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan to the power of God. And so for those who have faith in God, who have placed faith in Jesus Christ, who are born again, saved, souls saved by God, you are no longer under Satan's power. Jesus already said you have authority over his power. And you have been transferred under the power of God. The gospel is the power of God to save everyone from the kingdom of darkness and transfer them into the kingdom of light. Colossians 1.13, He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. And we do not have to be afraid of Him. I know everything I've been saying so far has made Satan sound very scary, but we do not have to be afraid of Him. 
we should not be afraid of him. In fact, when you and I have the Holy Spirit within us, he is afraid of us. God said, all we have to do is resist him and he will flee from us. You ever f see anybody flee from something? Put a spider right here. You'll see it. <laughs> you flee from things you are frightened of, terrified of, scared of. That's what the word flee means. You are fleeing for your life. And it says when we resist him, he flees from us. Why? Because we're so strong? Because we're so frightening? Just picture it with me. Just take a second to picture it with me. You have the Holy Spirit of God within in you. God has given you the freedom, free will to choose to rebel against him or to obey him. He promised he will not let you be tempted more than you can handle, which means when Satan comes to tempt you or an evil spirit or demon comes to tempt you, God puts a hedge right there and he says, you're not allowed to tempt more than this line because I'm not going to let them be tempted more than they have the ability within themselves to say no. So you're given the choice and God gives you the choice, but he's standing right here. And Satan comes up and Satan sees God, but he knows God's going to let you make your choice. So Satan makes the temptation. He gives you the temptation. And God says, what are you going to do? The moment you say, no, I'm not going to do it. Just imagine God's right here. He goes, Wah! and Satan goes running for his life. It's not exactly like that, but you get my point. Because Satan is terrified of God. He's scared to death of God because he's powerless against God. God can speak Satan's reality out of existence. And Satan knows it. So when God says, and he's a promise, he made a promise, he promised, if you will resist the devil's temptations, he will flee from you because I will scare him off. I will protect you. I will guard you. I will keep you safe. So we should never be afraid of him. James says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist him, and he will flee from you. So you have God's kingdom, and you have Satan's kingdom. Satan's kingdom is an enemy kingdom to God's kingdom that is waging war against God's kingdom. He is trying to kill as many people as he can, and he has a huge army, a third of the angels. That's his army. It's huge. It's massive. And he's incredibly intelligent. He's thousands of years old. As far as I know, he doesn't sleep. He's always scheming. He's always working. He's always learning. He's incredibly intelligent. And he's quite powerful. And in spite of all his power and resources and army, all we have to do is resist him and he flees from us. He's not so scary after all, is he? Because it's not you and me that's sending the devil running. It's the Holy Spirit. 
is God. And God is protecting you. And God is hedging you in. Why? Because he knows how smart the devil is. He's been around for thousands of years. He's been working and scheming and trying to pull people away and tempting people. He, you work on any skill long enough, you're going to get really talented at it. And it's so frustrating to the devil because he has so many good tactics. He has so many good schemes. He has so many good things he could do to tempt you. But God won't let him. Imagine how frustrating that is. Satan's thinking, I know exactly what would send you off the edge. I know exactly what would get you to sin against God and rebel against him. But God won't let me. Because God said he will never let you be tempted more than you can handle. So it doesn't matter how smart he is. It doesn't matter how intelligent he is. It doesn't matter how big his army is. Because God is hedging you in. God is holding him at bay. And if you will just say no, God will send him running. See, Satan, let me, let me give you this last verse and let me close. Satan, it says, the scripture, James says, you believe that God is one, good. Even the demons believe and they shudder. I think I've already made the point. The demons tremble in fear and terror of God. It's right here. They shudder. They tremble. You ever been so scared that you were trembling in fear? That's what, that's what the demons do when God comes around. That's what they do when they hear his name. See, Satan has two powerful weapons. Let me give them to you so you know what they are. Because the, the Bible says we need to be aware of his schemes. We need to be aware of his plans and his tactics. If you look at the story of Job, you see that Satan is limited by God, right? Therefore, he is limited in power. He is not as powerful as he used to be before he fell. That's something people don't understand. Let me, okay, let me get off topic for just a second and, talk, and, and say that, and then we'll come right back. Satan was an angel in heaven, right? But he was cast out of heaven, right? We see in the story of Job, he reports before God. He says, hey, God says, hey, what do you think of Job? And Satan says, give, let me give it a shot, and I guarantee you, he'll be cursing you by morning. And God said, okay, but you can only do this, this, this. See, Satan can't go beyond what God allows some, him to go beyond. He's limited. But have you imagined him having that scenario with one of his holy angels? Where a holy angel says to God, hey, you told me to protect this this." child, whatever, whatever mission God gives his angels to do. Do you imagine God saying to the holy angels, I want you to do that, but I'm going to limit you in your ability to do that. I, don't, I, I, I can't imagine that. God's saying to his angels, I need you to do so-and-so, and I'm going to give you every resource you can possibly need. That's what he does. I need you to go and give this message to so-and-so, and I'm going to make sure nothing stops you. See, God empowers the holy angels to do everything he asks them to do. But the fallen angels, he prevents, he holds them back, he limits their powers. So the moment that Satan fell from heaven, he didn't become stronger, he became weaker. He lost power. He is now weaker than he ever was. But he doesn't want you to think that, does he? 
He wants you to think next to God, he's the most powerful being in the universe. Well, two-thirds of the angels are more powerful than him, so he's got a long list to go up. He's limited by God. He's weaker than he used to be. But his biggest weapon against you and me, this is his biggest weapon. What do you think it is? Temptation. That's his biggest weapon. His biggest weapon against us is temptation because it's not what he does to us. It's not what he's doing to you. It's what he's trying to get you to do to God. And we can still give in to it. So his biggest weapon is temptation. His second biggest weapon is fear. Because if he can't get you on temptation, if he can't get you to sin against God and rebel against God, his next biggest weapon that he can do is terrify you so that you do nothing good. His first weapon is try to get you to do something bad. But if he can't get you to do that, then he's going to try to get you, keep you from doing anything good. It's fear. But the truth is, bullies who bully people and want everybody to be scared of them, what's the truth? The truth is they're the ones that's scared. Satan, he tries to get us to be frightened of him, but the truth is he's the one frightened. He's terrified. He's scared to death. That's why he won't cross any line that God sets. Because he knows what's coming. That's why when he comes to tempt us and God says, you can't cross this line, he don't. And that's why when we resist him, he flees and runs for his life. He wants us to be scared of him, but he's the one who's scared of us as members of the kingdom of God filled with the Holy Spirit's power. So the two things that we cannot let Satan do to stop us on our mission is one, we can't give in to his temptations because it's not about him. It's about us sinning against God. It's about us and God. He's trying to get between us and we can't let that happen. And just like Adam, when, when the serpent came into the garden and said to Eve, hey, God doesn't really care about you. God doesn't really want the best for you here. He just wants you to quit, not let you be like him. He knows if you eat from this fruit, you'll be like him. He doesn't want that. He lied. He deceived. He came in. He manipulated. He tried to get them to rebel against God, and he did. But where, where Adam should have said, you're not getting between us and our God, you have to go. Where he should have said that, that's what we as Christians must say on a daily basis. When we are tempted to sin against our God, we must say, you are not going to get between me and my God. You've got to go. And then when he comes with tactic two, where he tries to frighten you and he tries to scare you in any way he can, you got to say to him, I know who you are. I know who I am. You don't scare me. You got to go. And he'll go. And then what are we to do? We are to be members of God's kingdom. And we are to wage war against his kingdom. Because he's already waging war against ours. We're not to wage war against flesh and blood people. 
we're to wage war against the principalities and the rulers of this world, Satan and his demons. And how do we do that? We do that with the gospel. We do that with the Holy Spirit of God. That's how we do that. So what's holding us back? Well, it's not Satan. Maybe he has been holding us back, but not after today. I, I want all of us to have in our mindset and in our hearts to say to ourselves, I want you to say to yourself, you're not holding me back anymore. Not after today. If anyone is holding us back from advancing God's kingdom, it's, it's us. Plain and simple. Yes, Satan will do whatever he can to slow us down or destroy us or divide us or even distract us. But one thing he cannot do, he cannot stop us. He cannot. But we can. And we need to keep that in mind. We can choose to stop. We can choose to not act. We can choose to not love God with all we are. To not love others. And to not make disciples. We can choose to do those things. But I say we don't. I say we put on our spiritual armor every morning so that we are shielded against his flaming darts and arrows that are coming our way. And I say we go out and rescue the very people that Satan is trying to kill. And I say we never give up. And we never back down. And we never get off track. Let's pray together. Father, we know your word is true. And we know we can hang on every promise you have given us. And Father, we are thankful that you have told us the truth. So that we would no longer be deceived by his lies. We would no longer believe his lies. We would no longer be afraid of him. Because you have defeated him and he is scared of you. And you have told us that if we would just resist him, he will flee. And so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for being with us and in us and guarding us and protecting us and hedging us in and pushing away our enemies. And we thank you for that. Father, give us the boldness and courage to be members of your kingdom that spread your kingdom. Father, you are worth it. You deserve it. You have made all of us in your image. You have crafted each one of us to, as individuals uniquely to be a part of your family, to spend eternity with you. And so, Father, help us to share that one single saving message with this world around us. Let's see your kingdom come, and let's see your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We love you, Father. We thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' holy and precious and eternal name we pray. Amen.